Hello and welcome to another edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Marcus Thompson hopping on to do a front end of the back of a back to back version. Look at this, man! This this is the front end of a back to back, but for me, it's actually a back to back because last night I was doing the 49ers game. So I'm supposed to be chilling, but you know I can't miss a an opportunity to pod with my homie. Hey, back to back to back. Then you got Spurs tomorrow. Maybe I'll try to. Rope yeah, you. relax, relax. See, yeah, 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 yeah. get greedy. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> um, this was, you know, it was a, it was a set up to be somewhat of a forgettable regular season type game. You know, we're talking like late January after the NFL has its like you know high drama title game weekend. It's a Monday night. They're playing a bad Rockets team and. Um, but it was, you know, it was a pretty good game throughout. And then obviously it has a storyline of Steph busting out for 40 points, his first 40-point game since before Christmas. Within that, the Kevin Porter Jr., you know, kind of trash talk that ignited it. You know, it was it was an entertaining game. So can can I start with um, going at some Warriors fans or just fans sure. in general? Uh, so I'm sitting at the Niners game, right, and I'm I'm in my 49ers bag. I'm in that football mindset covering. Jimmy Garoppolo, and I guess they were playing the Nets. Actually, I wasn't in my 49ers bag yet. I was chilling in uh, in L.A. with, with the fam. But I mean, my phone was blowing up. I, don't, I wasn't watching a game, so I don't know what was happening. And I looked. It was like third quarter. Steph was two for 12. And everybody and their mama was like, I thought you said it was fixed. I thought you said it was fixed. I guess the slump is over, huh? And then, obviously, he has a decent fourth quarter. So... After today, I just wanna I just wanna send a shout to all the people who was in my mentions acting like I said the slump was over when I didn't. All I said was Steph figured something out and I even put a question mark, is this the cure? But he clearly has figured something out. So stay out my mentions because uh you're not beefing with me. I'm not declaring Steph slump over. I'm just telling you what he's going through. So I was, I was, I feel, I felt like the next time Steph go off, I'm saying something about it. And of course it's the next game. So see how Steph takes care of me. I appreciate that. You should be sending your thank yous to, to Kevin Porter Jr. Cause that is who ignited it. Um, have you, you are the, you are the resident Steph Curry, uh, biographer. I mean, you're even writing his NBA 75 story, which by the way, you hate her. You put him at 15. Are you kidding me? Um, Another I thing I'm getting blamed for. I right? know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, don't worry. I'm putting Kevin Durant at 13 on Wednesday. So uh, I'm getting ready for that one. But um, uh, w- when's the last time you remember somebody going at him so uh, you know, openly and aggressively in the middle of a random regular season game like that? Like Kevin Porter Jr., not because Steph started shimmying after hitting a few threes. It was literally like an off-ball foul. And he was like getting in Steph Curry's face, like really uh, kind of audaciously. I, I liked it. Um, but we, like, I can't even remember the last time I saw somebody do that. Not like that. It's been, it's been a long time uh, since I've seen anybody even kind of talking trash to Steph like that. It was that, that was very unique a situation. I don't even think, yeah, it, it usually is a bright byproduct of, you know, people get mad about how he's reacting to something, right? He hit a three, start dancing, then they get mad at that. But the the blatant to the face, like what Kevin Porter Jr. was doing, 
that man, you got to go way back for that. I'm thinking you probably were at this game. He's about to fight somebody on the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was like Russ, but it wasn't Russ. I think it was like Eric Maynard or something. It was somebody like that, some Eric random person. Maynard. <laughs> it was like crazy <laughs> you say that. I'm doing this Durant story and I'm watching third season Kevin Durant. And he, I was literally just watching him run pick and rolls with Eric Maynard. So it's just two Eric Maynard <laughs> so references. I haven't thought about that guy in a long time. And now he's in your life. I just it was somebody I, I can't remember who it was. It could have been Reggie Jackson or something, but he just. Like they were doing something to him, and he just got fed up and kind of went in their face and was ready to fight. I saw I somebody mention a, a Jalen Brown, like a young Jalen Brown. Young Jalen Brown, yeah, but that was more. That was actually more Steph, though. Like he he was saying something. He was clearly saying something. Steph hits the shot, turn around. It's like you know, keep talking. You keep talking. You know, and Steph was the the at least from what we could see. Like we would have never known it was anything if Steph didn't react that way, you know? So it was, this is kind of the opposite of that where all of the energy was coming from Kevin Porter Jr. And Steph was just kind of quiet. So yeah, I, I was thinking of Jalen, Jalen, but I think Steph was kind of the initiator. The other one, the only player I've seen like kind of go at him like that defensively. It's been a while. I remember Jonathan Simmons was like the guy who was supposed to be all like, I'm going to go on. I'm going to stop Steph. Uh, from the back when he was Spurs, with the Spurs, yeah. yeah, he was always really good against the yeah, Warriors. He was, and he and it wasn't like it wasn't like that. It wasn't you know, it was the same kind of mood, same kind of disposition, but without the trash talk. So yeah, it, it's just tough to see somebody go at Steph like that, where it's just like I'm initiating and I'm doing all the talking, uh, and you definitely don't see young dudes doing that. So well, maybe Ja, maybe it's Ja, right? Yeah. Would Ja be count? Kind of, but it's more like to me the jaw stuff is more. He's making plays. He's like shouting to the crowd. He's like you know he's bringing a lot of energy within the game. And there is some one on one against Curry with it involved, but it isn't like you know getting mad at him after the whistle and like staring him down and like physically bumping him. And then it looked like after Kevin Porter Jr. hit a three, he yelled down "f you," like "fuck you." Basically, I can swear on this podcast. Um, down at him and i was like oh that's you know you don't see that very often uh but the the, th- the other thing that s- surprised me about it is like this just seems like the wrong time to do that with steph curry right he's buried in this slump that if you're an opponent like you want him dragging you want him emotionally like you know not as into the game kind of maybe not feeling it that woke him up i mean we were you know you're watching the game as it's happening and like that's your first thought as kevin porter doing that you're like you sure you want to do that and then poof, I mean, we haven't seen that type of stretch from Curry in a long time. I mean, he had 21 in the fourth. That's the most he's ever scored in a fourth quarter. Um, 40, obviously, for the game, but it was really all right after that. And so it's like, in retrospect, I you know, sometimes I think we we build these narratives um, that sometimes aren't necessarily connected to reality. And when I say we, I just mean just the general population, media, social media, whatever. I truly do think Kevin Porter tonight, like doing that, like really did spark Steph Curry's fourth quarter. Not so. I actually think so too. It was a Samaj Christian. Remember that name? Wow. What is it? He like he was like the quietest guy I ever covered. I remember like I think he, so. It, unless there was another number six. So I'm looking through the sixes, 2014-15. It was Novak, Derek Fisher, 2016, 2013-14. They had the sleeved white jerseys. 
So uh, uh, Randy Foy was 2015-16. Can you like send me the – are you looking at a picture? Yeah, I, I see the video clip. Yeah, I'll send you the video. Yeah, yeah, send it to me because – I hey, how do you do that thing where you send the, the time stamp, where you send it where it is? I don't know. Just tell me where it is and I'll look. <laughs> He's like, I don't know, man. What are you talking about? Yeah, I think it's Samaj Christian. I think that's, that, that, that's stunning because that's Samaj it. Christian was like the one of the quietest athletes I ever covered. It was like, more of a shoving match than it was like, you know, open trash talk. That's still surprising. It's like Andrew Wiggins, except if Andrew Wiggins was like a third string point guard for like twelve months in the NBA. <laughs> that would be funny if it's to see Andrew Wiggins kind of like just going off, right? Like, I, yeah, it's it's crazy that this is where we pull it from. It just, it just doesn't happen that much, uh, you know. Obviously, him and Chris Paul have had their their things, you know, over the history, but. It's kind of it's kind of rare uh, in that sense, like the way, especially it felt. It just felt like Kevin Porter. Just it felt like Kevin Porter decided to. I'm going to punk him. Now, clearly, something happened on that foul, right? And he probably I, I just imagine, thought it was like flopping. Or yeah, or I Steph don't know. I maybe said something like, "Young fella, you are fouling," or whatever. Whatever what, they didn't show that part, they just showed his reaction. But I think it really went off. What really set it off was when that Steph picks that, th- you know, strips him, comes down, hits the three. Then he takes another three. That's kind of a heat check three. I remember Jordan Poole was wide open, and he passed it up to get to get it to Steph, who kind of hesitated, then shot it and missed. And then Kevin Porter came down. And hits a three, and the Warriors call a timeout. He cut it to like four, and then he's standing there and he's yelling at Steph from half court. He's like, he's saying something, and he hits the three over Steph, and he's going off. To me, that's what really kind of turned it up a bit. Like, oh, now, and so after that, Steph is like, all right, it's, it's step backs for all of you. But I just sent you the video. One, it is. It's Samaje Christian. What the hell? Like, why don't I remember that? And it, it's not the cupcake game, but it's the it's so game random, in Oklahoma huh? City. That, that same season where they went back to Oklahoma City, um, and Durant didn't play. I remember he had an injury, but it was still like an electric environment because it was that season after. So the rivalry was at its best. But I. Yeah, you're right. They're in a shoving match. By the way, you sent me a YouTube video called Greatest Steph Curry Fights of All Time! Exclamation point. Hey, and how is it 16 minutes, by the way? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's way too long for a bunch of non-fights. Five of them are the Samaja Christian pushing match in the aftermath, which... Wow. I did not remember that. Um, so, generally, though, you know, I guess, uh, zooming out, uh, you know, does this... Is this the start of a big month for Steph Curry. You know, this closed January. January was like his worst high-volume month in his career from shooting percentage-wise. Um, and, yeah, like, do you think, to me, I mean, obviously, again, I, I do think the adrenaline he got from the Porter uh, situation, you know, bumped him to a 40-point night, but generally he looked good beyond that, right? I mean, like, he just looked a little, like a little bit more zest to some of his moves. Uh, he was getting to the mid-range uh, well. He was really aggressively getting to the mid-range. There were some ISO situations where his step back, he just, I don't know, everything just looked better tonight. Um, do you think this is, do you think, like, the slump's broken? 
I I do think I do I I don't know if it's broken. I I do think a couple of things. I think he's figuring some things out. I I really do believe. I mean, he believes it, so it doesn't even matter if anybody else believes it. If if it is all mental, but he feels like he figured something out, then he feels like he figured something out. But I do think Kevin Porter made him far more aggressive than he's been. The Warriors have been very content with just running their offense. It doesn't matter if Steph is going or not. They've been kind of fine with it. Uh, and even when he was like, even before this moment, he was, he was shooting the ball pretty well. Uh, he had the pretty good fourth quarter against Brooklyn. I think in the second quarter, he was like three for four. He made his one three, uh, like, so he wasn't shooting it poorly. He just wasn't shooting it. I think he had two more threes in, in the third quarter. He just wasn't really being aggressive i think i think what porter did was make him say you know what i'm about to take these guys there were so many plays before the porter situation where he get christian wood switched out on him and he wasn't taking them instead he's dumping it to looney or dumping it to wings who has the smaller guy when we know the warriors office is hey, a big man on steph you take him or he'd get uh garrett matthews on him and he's running a set but Kevin Porter pissed him off, <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'm taking you now. He took 10 shots in the fourth quarter, uh, and he had he took 13 shots in the first three quarters. And there was a point during the game where Wiggins and Clay had taken more shots than him, and Moody was right behind him, right? So it's like I think because he's been struggling shooting the ball, he's been fine not getting up a lot of shots and running the offense and running the sets. And that's to me what Kevin Porter did was make him say, you know what? Forget this offense, man. I'm taking you. I'm I'm looking for my shot. I'm attacking. He he hit a few mid-range jumpers. Like and when he got that switch, he was attacking it um in a way that used to be part of the offense. But I do think he's figuring things out. You can see him taking more mid-ranges. You can see him prodding, trying to get in the paint. But I also think he doesn't want to lose this kind of assist streak he's on. You could see him trying to drive and kick, set guys up and make the pass. And even when he's got the advantage, he's not necessarily looking to take the big man or looking to take the defender he could probably take. He's surveying the land, trying to see what pass is open. Uh, the game winner, not the game winner, but the the, the, the bucket that made made the game over basically and they started getting Steph out was the Kevon Looney put back but that play began with Steph with Christian Wood on him out on the wing and he zipped the cross court pass to Gary Payton the third, second in the corner who took the three but that's that's the situation where it's like you could see him looking to move the ball and be a facilitator a lot which was brought on by the slump but I do think he likes that so I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying it's over because you know against San Antonio he might go two for thirteen again. But he's definitely figuring some things out, kind of piecing it together. You know, to me, the other story—well, maybe not story of the night—but they don't. You know, they have they're depleted in the front court right now. Uh, no Wiseman and Draymond for the foreseeable future. Iguodala probably won't be back until Thursday. Bielita has back spasms. Just missed his second straight game. He's day to day. Otto Porter rests on the front side of a back-to-back, so they have a hole in the starting lineup that I figured was probably going to be filled by Kaminga, um, and it wasn't. And uh, you know, Houston is a team you can go small against because they do, they start four guys under six six basically. Uh, but Kerr bringing Moses Moody out of the G League, he was in Austin the night before and scored uh, twenty seven points. 
comes to Houston and he starts at the two, pushing Wiggins to the four, Clay to the three. Um, you know, it's it's like the classic Kerr move, right? You know, you've buried a guy in the rotation, but you want to keep him active, engaged. You reward him with the start. Moody hits three threes, wide open, by the way. He's wide open for five threes. Uh, hits three, which is good for him because he has not shot the three ball well in the league. So, I mean, we can get to how Moody looked to you, but also just like the Moody decision was kind of interesting. I actually thought it was really smart for for this reason. To me... Kaminga's, I guess, advantage, right, or his great contribution to the team is like he's a, such an explosive athlete, and you know, like he's there as essentially like super athlete on the team. But I think Houston has so many athletes. I don't. I, I don't know how much of an advantage that is, right? Like they've got dudes who can run with them. They got dudes who can jump with them. They got dudes who can be physical with him. And you could see when he when his first step ain't a blow by, like all right now he was doing all kind of pivots in the lane trying to find a shot where them against other teams are dunks. So to me, I feel like he might put him in a lineup when it's you know when it's a less athletic lineup. But like you got to know how to play against you know Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood. Jalen Green, uh, Kenya Martin Jr. coming off the bench, like Josh Christopher. I mean, they're throwing some some horses at you. So you, if you don't have the like automatic athletic advantage, you know you got to know how to play. And I think that's where he where when he's looking a little lost. I think that was the problem to me. Mo- Moses knows how to play so he can kind of like float in spots, even though he's not the athlete those guys are. To me, I don't even know if Kerr was thinking this. But that's what I thought. Like while he's playing, I'm watching Kaminga, and I'm like, "This this is normally a dunk, but it's not a dunk," or you know, or this is a blow by, and it's not a blow by, or or he's bullying his dude for a rebound, and he he just wasn't able to do that because Houston is highly after they, they just got some athletes, dude. They got some they got some like hungry dudes on that team. So to me, it it made sense. And plus, like you said, you could go small, you know, spread the floor with another shooter. I liked it. Now I wonder. To me, what's curious is what does he do against San Antonio? Well, no Clay if Thompson. Stayed, so no Clay. So you got Jordan Poole, right? Yeah, Jordan Poole likely starting there. You know, does oh, but Steph Otto Porter play? will be I back. Mean, That's right. Otto Porter will be back. Yeah, but Steph might not play. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it by could that. be. It could be a big rest night for them. Uh, especially, you know, they got this win. They won six in a row. They're stable in the two seed. Um, the tiers in the West are really kind of. Plus Memphis lost. To yeah, too. I mean they're four games ahead of Memphis. Uh, you know Utah's crumbling. Phoenix is you know beatable right now. I think they're up to ten or are they forty and nine? This one's are forty and nine. Um, I don't. Know. Anyway, uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm kind of just done like predicting where the Kaminga rookie season is trending because it's just it is just the most up and down it's a rookie season (laughs) yeah but it's just like to the extreme and not even just his performance on the court but just the way Kerr is just toggling him and now every time that I'm like oh Kaminga's fading to the background it's like 22 points looks awesome earns a starting spot okay here it is you know like Kaminga has he's arrived this is you know he's here for his rotation spot that he won't give up and then it's just Kerr you know pulls it right out from under him again and like you you wonder sometimes it, it feels like it's it's how he's played I'm like remember the G League thing where they were unhappy with him um 
or, you know, if they're trying to teach him lessons or if it's what you're talking about, sometimes it is matchup based. I do. I mean, the reason why Porter took the starting job that we thought was Kaminga's is because Porter's just been playing better and he's just more like, a, you know, kind of stabilizing force in that starting lineup and he f- spaces the floor, which they want. And Otto Porter will get, by the way, that's who's going to start at the four. We forgot about that in San Antonio. Otto Porter's playing and he will start. Um, but it's just. I, again, like you said, it's a rookie year, um, but I just it's 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 been interesting. Do you think anything is abnormal about his up and downness? Or I mean, I know I know it, it all points back to what you've been saying since preseason that he just needs to he needs time, he needs minutes on the court. But does it feel more or less up and down than what we saw from like Wiseman or Poole or just, I mean, I know he's not like, well, I mean the difference between what like Poole had to play because they were just completely injury destroyed that year. So Jordan Poole, like he Jordan Poole would have been in the G league, but he couldn't because he was like a healthy body at the guard position that they didn't have. So he was just playing. Um, Wiseman, they gifted minutes uh, you know they gifted a starting spot and then like kept him in the rotation even when they took him out of the starting lineup um with Kaminga you feel like he's nudged his way towards earning minutes but then I think one of the biggest things Kaminga is facing that maybe we didn't foresee as much uh heading into the season is just like the the real depth that they have that they've created with this 50-man roster where you know, Bielitsa playing every night. And, like, you know, even, look, JTA took, yes, Moses Moody took the starting spot we thought Kaminga would have had, but JTA played 21 minutes and Kaminga played 11 tonight. Um, and it's clear Kerr wants to keep JTA engaged. And Damian Lee is, like, fighting his way back towards the rotation. And, you know, Porter has been really, you know, steady. And, obviously, Iguodala will show back up at times. And it's just that has really created a logjam that, you know, in this uh, chasing wind season, uh, Kerr seems like it just more than anyone else. Maybe you can loop Moody into this, but I think Kamingo more than anyone else like has to like force his way into the rotation and pretty quickly like gets it taken away. I feel like, but again, that's that's lessons that they're trying to teach him. I guess the cold hard lessons of, of maturation, right? Like. Uh, this felt like a game, especially with no Porter, no Bielitsa. And especially the way, like, Kevin Porter Jr. was 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 having his way with Looney just because he was, you know, able to step back and hit that three. But he was getting he was getting open looks and he was in rhythm. So he was cooking for a while. I thought, I thought he might go to Kaminga for that matchup, but he just clearly doesn't like him at center. No. But it felt like this was a game where, you know, Kaminga could do it, but I just I just think the athleticism, like he just looks lost a bit on the court sometimes, and like it, I I think he if wasn't he did very one good thing, in his eleven minutes. Saying. He had that weird flagrant no, foul wasn't. on Sangoon, uh, and you know he was missing some rotations. Like, well, what he needs to do automatically if he wants to wants to get consistent minutes is he needs to whip that ball to the open man. Like he's not doing that part. He's he's falling a bit in love with his his own like driving or shooting or whatever, but he's got to make that extra pass. If he, if he, I mean, it's like giving an apple to the teacher. If Steve Kerr is the teacher, right? That's the, <laughs> that's the teacher's pet move. If you want to, if you want to get points with the coach, make that extra pass. And he just gets a little bit like I can take this dude, but it's not 
all his fault because it's literally what he's <laughs> what he's on the court to do, right? It's like you know, hey man, go strong, finish, get the tough bucket. You know, the first time he gets on the for. court, he should just act like he's Usain Bolt in transition. Yes, also. just absolutely <laughs> end to end as fast as you can go. That is that that is the uh, apple for the teacher, I think. Um, yeah, beyond that, hey, Jalen Green went. Jalen Green went 0 of 11 against the Warriors last week, and then like two something like he, I, I I put this that in my post game. Six of 31 in three games against the Warriors this season. One of 13 from three. Uh, you know, it's as we talk about rookies and Moses Moody going 14 and Kaminga at seven, which most people f- felt like he fell to the Warriors. Jalen Green at two. Hasn't had a very good rookie season, 37% overall, 29% from three, and the Warriors have really seen that. When you've watched him, like, I don't know. Like, he's just not really – he's just super low efficiency. And it's just it's just as you juxtapose that against Kaminga's season where he's just, like, fighting to get some minutes, you're seeing what a – you know, just throw him on the court, let him do whatever he wants on a, in a bad situation. I'm not sure that's helping Jalen Green that much. Yeah, see what that looks like. I mean, we, we kind of saw – you see it both ways, though. I mean, isn't that what Anthony Edwards did? It looks pretty good second year. Yeah. Like, it looks <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it just varies. I, I think minutes, experience all helps. I don't know about. I mean, you obviously need good coaching, too, so that stuff doesn't. So the struggles and adversities don't ruin you. But to me, it's, be, it's better when you have minutes. But I also think he's just in a tough situation, man. Like, basically, he's playing next to the same dude in Kevin Porter Jr., uh, who's a ball dominate two who, you know, because of his size, you want to put him at point, right? So to me, like, it's a little bit situational, but I also think, I, I, I think Steph's got a good game plan against Jalen Green that he's telling the staff because Jalen was in uh, Steph's select camp or something. Like, it's it's weird. I mean, he's not an efficient player, but he, he doesn't even – He's not getting to any of his shots against the Warriors. Yeah, it's just, it's just weird. What is he like? He's sub forty on the on the year, right? Shooting. He's not a forty. You talking about Green? If, yeah, but it feels like he drops to like eleven percent on the Warriors. Well, six and thirty. I watch some other games. He looks great. Yeah, I watch some other games. I mean, not great, but he looks like he has a plan offensively. I mean, he literally went maybe the Warriors have a good, good plan against him. And it's weird too because Porter hasn't been killer against the Warriors but a lot of that is because he's like taking the assignment of guarding Steph so it feels like there's an opening on offense there for Jalen Green to do something but he just can't get it going man I'm, man, he he needs some of that Kevin Porter dog in him right where it's just like I know I was in your, your camp Steph but I'm coming for you alright anything else uh, before I kick it out of here from this game Andrew was playing extremely well what I mean, I think he had when they needed it in that first half. He had seventeen on like nine shots, something like that. Uh, really, you know, uh, boosted them offensively before Curry got it going. And he's just, I mean, like it felt like he hit a little bit of a lull. And it was, you know, he started getting the All Star buzz, and then it was right around the time Clay was about to come back, and then did come back and take some of the shots. It did feel like he slipped into the background a little bit, but obviously. The last week or ten days or so, he's really exploded again. So, so why are you acting like he only made the All Star because of a K-pop singer got paid? Why are you acting like K- Steph K- Curry K- solved his? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, um, 
I just thought that was heck of fun. It was like sure you enjoyed that. I mean, you literally just—I mean, you literally report what happened, and people really act like it's your fault. Why are you acting like he—he don't—he ain't deserve it? All started, Mister Slater. No, I—I I, I do, man. This is such a, a perfect setup for Wiggins, right? Ain't it? I mean, it's great. It's hey, man, get them going. Like you get all the buckets you want to eat, run his sets for you, and then you could just you know. Like chill and play defense, <laughs> and let and watch Steph cook. I mean, to me, it's just the greatest setup. You almost are getting to the point where you you don't even pay attention to Wiggins, and he looks up and he's got twenty, right? That's, I mean, there there isn't a more low pressure situation, and Clay is not even really going well right now. He just does what he does, and when he's going. It's like you, 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 it looks so good, right? And it's so important because it's probably because somebody else is struggling. Like, this is just ideal. I mean, he, he said it himself. Uh, he needed a change of scenery and, you know, he found a home. Like, it, it doesn't get better than this for Wiggins. It, yeah. It really doesn't get better than this for and him. And remember when they started um, really promoing him for the All Star game? I remember having a conversation, like, you know, kind of dissecting why they are pushing so hard, like pretty uh, openly for him to be an all-star. And part of it, I think we kind of concluded was like, not only was it going to be such a win for them organizationally, but it was going to be much easier for them to continue to push Wiggins to be this version of himself and, and, and have this type of impact if they could show him the reward for it. And, you know, if the reward was an all-star game, it was like, look, like, see, this is what all this work and this style of play and, and, you know, this shot diet, which is much more catch and shoot and slashing wing and maybe, you know, somewhat secondary at times. Uh, but this is what it can lead to. You can be recognized for this. Um, so I think, you know, the fact that they got it done, you know, not only did they get him in an all-star, I mean, he's an all-star starter. Um, that's like, I think that's this huge for them moving forward, just dealing with him. And, and, you know, I think you're already seeing the early returns where I think his last couple of games, since he's been named the starter, he's been more aggressive than he had been in the, in the previous month. I mean, you know, that Saturday night ABC game is Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson are on the broadcast, like, you know, questioning his candidacy. He's like going off on the nets in the quarter. And it's just, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's very like, good. Literally for like he, he was listening to them, huh? It was like he was live. It's like he had an earbud of them talking in his head. <laughs> it was like, "What are you saying, Mark Jackson? Let me go get this bucket." You, you know, you know what else? It's uh, by the way, um, the reason I keep cutting out my 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 headphones are they, they keep going out, so I have to keep messing with them to hear you. Uh, but uh, I think the other thing this does, it really helps with the whole branding, right, of the Warriors' way. Um, Andrew Wiggins is becoming the poster child for this idea that if you come to the Warriors, uh, like just by being on the Warriors and playing basketball the way they play, there's going to be this great benefit. There used to be Kevin Durant, right? Who wanted to come play in this style was drawn to it, but he's so singularly, singularly great. Like no, no one looks at that and says, oh man, he benefited from the Warriors. It's it's like, hey, the Warriors benefited from him, which is all fair because he's incredible. But guys, now guys like Wiggins, right? I mean, th- this is a market. This is a play. And, you know, you throw in the types of uh, Marquise Chris, 
you know, some of these guys like Gary Payton II. This is a market for free agency. It's a market to lure uh, to, for trades of, you know, players who are kind of like a little bit forgotten. And keep in mind, man, I, I know this sounds crazy, but they went through a couple of years where they weren't getting people. <laughs> and you know it too, right? Like we were here, like people want they wanted people to come and they're like, nah, they're choosing other teams. Uh, so to me, this is, this is, he's the poster child for this idea of the Warriors way, you know, and in, in the way that there was a Spurs way, right. In the way that there's heat culture, uh, Wiggins is becoming the face of, if you come to the Warriors, no matter what they said about you, no matter what, how your career went, that will change for you. And I, I think that's going to be a mighty recruiting pitch <laughs> for a dude who might be, uh, you know, like in a rough spot or have had, you know, his reputation is kind of down and hey man, take less money. You come to the Warriors and you can resurrect your career. I feel like that's, that's one of the benefits that they'll get from this whole Wiggins experiment. Uh, and also, you know, he gets to go to the all-star game and maybe even get another contract later. He, he, he might, He's playing himself into another another big yeah, deal. If he was a free agent this summer, I mean, you gotta think he'd get it twenty a year, probably twenty five. I'm even being conservative there. I mean, he's a legitimate. Right? Nah, he'd he'd get he'd get bread. Yeah, I mean, look, you're, you know, even the even the most skeptical Wiggins like, uh, you know, I guess pundit right now who says he shouldn't be an All Star starter would still say like yeah he you would consider him fringe all-star roster okay let's say maybe he's 15 16 17th best player in the west this year like and to me that is like the low end of where you would put him um in the all-star conversation like okay that that's a 25 million per year wing i mean you know look yeah, at that's yeah, especially a wing yeah you know that's closer than Harrison Barnes has ever been to to legitimate all-star conversation um so and Harrison Barnes is like, you know, right now playing out playing a contract that pays him about 20 million a year. So, yeah, he has another big deal coming. And, and once he, you know, again, I said if he was uh, up, he's not. He has one more year after this, but he becomes an appealing deal heading into the offseason as, as we all bring uh, back up a huge $33 million chip, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, he, he'll be up for his contract when Jordan Poole, uh, is it you know will be heading into his next contract um so there's a lot of different moving parts but that's that's another story down the line maybe, maybe even a topic on the warriors plus minus uh this week coming up so i won't dive too deep into it i'm gonna close the podcast now i gotta go write this durant story um so marcus thompson thank you for coming on Man, why you, why you put durant over kd though why'd you do that you can read about it on Wednesday in the afternoon. <laughs> all right. We already read your 15th of all time, uh, which people funny. should read. Go ahead and go I read. Can't, I, can't, I can't wait to the, for the slander you get from Warriors fans when you put him above Steph. This is going to be hilarious. Statistically, I'm not going to go there right now. <laughs> um, all right. All um, right. We will talk to you probably Wednesday plus minus with Tim.